Blog Talk Radio. I'm your co-host, Kerry Clark of FamilyMag.com, and I'm joined by our producer, Thomas Watts, back in the studio. Uh, he is the Touchdown Alabama Magazine, and we'll soon be joined in just a couple minutes by Drew DeArmond of 97.7 ESPN The Zone in Huntsville. You just think this is a slow time of the year in Alabama athletics, but it's not. Uh, the Tide received a four-star football commitment uh, from the shadows of Jim Harbaugh, in Michigan, and did not have to hold a satellite camp to get him. Alabama basketball signed a four-star guard. Alabama football announced it will open the 2017 season with not one, but two FSUs, and uh, an ex-UGA quarterback is going to be visiting Alabama. He's transferring away from Athens, Georgia. We'll have all that and more in this week's edition of BAM's Radio. Also, uh, we'll be joined tonight by a couple of guests. Around 8.30, we'll be hearing from Drew Champlin of AL.com. Some of the things we'll be talking to him about will be the NBA draft, which is going on now, uh, how, if at all, it could affect Alabama, the Alabama basketball recruiting situation, and the Valley Hood signing, and, and it should have been, of Kobe Eubanks, the Alabama assistant coaching situation that for a brief moment we thought might be filled by a big name, but he decided not to take the job uh, as the uh, special assistant to the head coach, uh, what we used to call director of basketball ops. And uh, also, Drew is well-versed in Alabama baseball. He'll kind of give us a recap of the draft. And uh, we still have a final decision from Georgia Salem, although we have a good idea uh, where he is leading. Then in hour number two tonight, at approximately five minutes after eight central time, we'll be joined by our good friend of this show, John Garcia, Jr. of BattleMag.com and Scout.com. Yes, we did have John on two weeks ago, but the Bama recruiting board regarding the priorities and the positions of choice has changed dramatically since we last spoke to John, and he had a very good story about that uh, this week, uh, this replete with changes and, you know, how many of each position he thought they were going to take, and now that's changed. One example is quarterback, but there are others. And also John can uh, help shed some new light on the uh, continuing search for a true left tackle. Uh, he's, he's got the latest on that. He'll be with us hour number two, John Garcia. And in about uh, 15 minutes after this hour, 
we'll be hearing from uh, our good friend, Colin Big C. McGuire, who I'm sure will have some great questions for Drew and I. And I really hope Drew will be joining us soon. I'm confident that he will. But uh, since he's not here yet, I'm going to go ahead and sort of start from scratch on the items we're going to talk about. There is a report, and it's a widely circulated report, that ex-university Georgia quarterback Jacob Park, who has already announced he's leaving Athens, he's reportedly going to visit Tuscaloosa this weekend, according to those chat of ESPN. Uh, he got his release from UGA back on the 11th this month. He'll have three years of eligibility. Um, I'm sure Bama's not the only place he's going to visit, but Park is a 6'4", 202-pounder who registered as a freshman last year. Uh, he came in as a four-star prospect from Goose Creek, South Carolina. At the time, he was rated the number five post-style quarterback in his class, the number two player in South Carolina all in the 2014 cycle. Well, we're now working on the 16th cycle, but, uh, you know, he, this is a guy that's looking to transfer now. ACC rules would most likely have him sitting out unless he gets some kind of a hardship waiver. And there's really no guarantee that Alabama's going to get him a firm offer and visit. Part of the reason they have these visits is, uh, you know, they, they want to change not only a person's ability, but their uh, personality and see if they fit with the team and let them hang out with some players, that kind of thing. And uh, so that's, that's a big thing. Now, we, we've been making a lot of jokes about this on Twitter, about how Nick Saban was able to go into Michigan and get a We obviously have just been joined by Drew. Drew, turn your mic down. Welcome in, Drew Jarman of ESPN 977 Zone. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good. I already briefly talked about the visit this weekend by Jacob Park, but since you're with us now, I wanted you to go ahead and shed a little more light on that. Uh, you know, it came out today uh, that Jacob Park, uh, uh, formerly of the state of South Carolina, is going to visit uh, Alabama. He, everybody knows two years ago that it came down between basically him and David Cornwell for the spot in the class, and, and Alabama chose David Cornwell, and Jacob Park uh, decided to go to Georgia around the same time. Uh, they were both. They were waiting for each one of those guys and trying to make a decision, and it went back and forth. I think uh, there were some that thought Jacob Park was the favorite, then others that thought uh, that David Cornwell was, and Alabama ultimately chose David Cornwell. Obviously, with Grayson Lambert transferring in, Bryce Ramsey, uh, some young quarterbacks at Georgia, uh, Jacob Park decided to move on, and now he's uh, back visiting a school that uh, he heavily considered two years ago. And Alabama's, you know, been, you know, it's said to try to get two QBs in the class, and uh, I don't necessarily think they'll sign two in 2016, but if you get a transfer that wouldn't count against your 25 you're bringing in, uh, I think Jacob Park is a possibility. But I don't think just because he's visiting, it's a slam dunk they're going to take it. Yeah, I said that before you came on, that part of the reason they have these visits is to gauge the kid's personality and see how he fits in with the people on the team now. And a visit doesn't automatically equal an offer. That's that's for sure, but you know, unless he totally drops the third in the punch bowl, you got to think that there will be some mutual ground discussed. Excuse me, I agree. Um, no doubt about that. I do think that it'll be discussed, and the visit will be very, very interesting to see. You know where the where each party stands. I personally believe with uh, the 16 commitments they have now that they should take a pass, uh, no pun intended, on Juwan Pass, 
Uh, I think he's raw. He's an athlete. Uh, but I think they're going to have a lot of guys in front of him. I know I don't necessarily think he's a scheme fit. And I think uh, if you're, uh, Jacob Park would be more apt to what they're looking for. But, again, you have to make sure he's a good guy. You have to make sure he fits uh, from the standpoint of it within the team concept. But, again, it's a, it's a risk, too, because you have young quarterbacks and David Cornwell and, and Blake Barnett. If he does not beat those guys out uh, going into next spring, he could move on again. So, And you're taking up a scholarship. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see where that goes. Exactly. Now, another interesting dynamic, Drew, uh, and we made all these jokes on, uh, uh, on Twitter, but, but it's true. Without being able to hold any kind of satellite camp in the state of Michigan, Nick Saban went up there and took a top priority out from under Jim Harbaugh's nose and Khalid Kareem. Uh, I, 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 is it fair to say that I know I was shocked by it. Were you pretty shocked? And, and what's your breakdown of how it went down? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I was a little bit more shocked than – uh, Deshaun Hand from a couple of years ago. I mean, we started to hear the night before that he might not be the slam dunk for Michigan that many thought because he committed to Michigan State and back in February and then decommitted. And he had visited Michigan the most, but he, and he but he had made a couple of trips to Alabama, one for A-Day, and then a couple of weeks ago he was back on campus kind of flying under the radar. But, again, he had a really good visit. I think Tosh LePoy, who is slated for now to be his position coach, made a huge impression on him. And like those around him told his father, you know, right now Michigan's rebuilding, Alabama's reloading. If you want to play with the best, why not go to Alabama? And I think he shocked a lot of people by doing so. And uh, Travis Ryer kind of had the tweet of the day, you know, maybe Jim Harbaugh should have a satellite camp in um, Michigan. And so uh, – Jimmy, I mean, you could give Travis credit for that, but I made a remark about it 30 minutes before that. Um, but Travis has more followers. So that's okay. uh, I mean, <laughs> like, two seconds after he committed, I said – Nick Saban did this without having a satellite camp. Anyway, everybody jumped yeah. out. I knew it was coming. I was just trying to be first, and I was. But it was it was a common joke. Um, but yeah, how about him as a player? Tell, tell the listeners. I know you've seen some tape, and I basically have seen what they showed on PITV, which is about five plays. But I know you've seen some. Tell, tell me your impression. Well, a, a very respected person in the, the recruiting industry that's been doing it thirty plus years thinks he has he's Jonathan Allen with more upside and I tend to agree I think he's a, a a rough guy in a good way obviously he's around 250 260 pounds now I think he'll end up that you know they're they're having they're saying he's going to play the jack but I think he'll end up with his hand in the dirt at defensive end and we all know Jonathan Allen's had two really good years at Alabama and is looking to uh, be a, a starter and a big-time contributor and perhaps an early entry candidate next year and I think uh, a perfect uh, uh, player to follow in his footsteps is Khalid Kareem. And uh, I think uh, it, it was a big-time get for Alabama, the best defensive lineman in Michigan, one of the best prospects in the Northeast, and a guy who had 39 offers. So it just shows, again, the national brand right now and the panache that Alabama football with Nick Saban has. And I think he's a big-time kid. And uh, when you compare him to Jonathan Allen, was slated to be a jack, but quickly grew into an every-down defensive end when he got to Alabama. I think as Cecil Hurt put yesterday, Alabama's been trying to get kids like this in the program because they're versatile guys who can play inside and out and are very effective against the hurry-up, no-huddle. Interesting, too. Uh, another friend of this show, uh, Jimmy Stein, or LJS Law on Twitter, not long after it was announced, Cecil, just to show you how much respect Jimmy has earned in the last 15 years or so, Cecil immediately asked him if he'd seen tape, and he had seen it that morning. So uh, 
Yeah, we'll have to have Jimmy on again soon. But, uh, yeah, it just, you know, I don't think it was a, a – of course, it's a four-star guy, so he's solid, and who knows what could happen after a great senior year in high school. But to get a guy like that, Deshaun Hand's commitment is a, is a little bit of a comparison, but there were a few people that thought uh, well, Alabama's got a shot at Deshaun Hand. They probably won't give I don't really know anybody that thought Alabama had a shot at Khalid Kareem. And as it turns out, not only did they get him, but from the sound of things, he, he seems pretty solid. Oh, I think he's very solid. Uh, looking forward to speaking with him and his father on 97.7 The Zone, talking ball tomorrow uh, at, at uh, 1235. They're going to be on the show and going to talk more about his journey. And the amazing part, Kerry, is uh, a year ago at this time, he really didn't have any offers. And then in a year's time, he ended up with 39, uh, you know, a who's who from across the country. And basically, once he decommitted for Michigan State, his final three were Notre Dame, Michigan, and Alabama, and the Crimson Tide were very fortunate to, to reel in his commitment. Of course, there'll be people talking about how solid is he, but I think uh, much like Deshaun Hand, and uh, I think he and his father realize what they're getting into and, you know, realize, you know, what coming to Alabama means. And uh, they could have done the easy thing and gone to Michigan, but they got up in front of everybody, a lot of Michigan media, most of them thinking he was going to be a Wolverine, and he pulled out the Alabama hat. So, I, you know, I was able to break that on the Boomo Bug Show because I was just about to go on, and I just decided to tune in to watch his press conference, thinking he was going to choose more than likely the Wolverine still and was shocked as everyone else when he pulled out the Alabama hat. But, again, Alabama's going to load up on defensive linemen. Uh, they've got 16 commitments right now. Um, I think they're going to sign 27 players around that. So I think they're going to add 11 or 12 more. I started trying to make a list last night of, uh, you know, players that I like a lot as far as guys that get end up in the class. And, uh, you know, I, I got to – I think I ended up with uh, about 21. <laughs> so, as I told uh, Rodney Orr, a great friend of this show, there's going to be some really good players that are left out again. But uh, I do think Alabama, no doubt, is going to finish strong. Speaking of Rodney Orr, Drew, uh, our mutual friend, Lamar Lovejoy, has retired from covering basketball recruiting. So, looking very much forward to it. Hopefully, you taking that over because you definitely know a lot more about it than you did. Looking forward. Uh, Lamar's a good friend uh, and uh, de- definitely uh, uh, we'll hope to be able to bring that to the table. I've been efforting to try to get in touch with uh, with our newest uh, basketball player at the University of Alabama, Kobe Eubanks. have not been successful yet. We'll continue to try. But uh, very excited about his addition, Kerry. Uh, no doubt he's a big-time scorer. I think he's the best perimeter shooter now on the squad. And, and look forward to the impact he can make. And hopefully, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I had Garrett Tucker on the on my show this week. He thinks they're going to add one more player. I think we all saw today that Willie Kawasi finally found a home. Uh, he's going to be a Arkansas Razorback. Uh, Alabama had an opportunity and uh, decided to pass on him. We'll see if there's someone else out there. We And I know uh, you, just like myself, you noticed the young man who – is leaving St. John's. Yeah, uh, a six foot ten shot blocker extraordinaire. Quite frankly, sounds like the same kind of player as Kawasi. A little bit thicker than Willie. It's around two thirty six, two thirty eight. Uh, I'm not even sure I can pronounce his name, but his first name's Chris. Uh, and you know, not much of a scorer, but a guy that could. Uh, and of course, he would have to sit out this year. I have not seen whether or not he's considering Alabama or not. But you, you got to think. Uh, that you know, he's at least 
going to be in the mix somewhere to maybe take a visit. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think it's interesting. Um, uh, I, I just, you know, I kind of felt like with being having one more year left, being a shot blocker, he's someone on the East Coast. And uh, I will say this, I was very fortunate today um, to speak uh, today on my show with Josh Langford, who is the best prospect in the state of Alabama and as good a basketball player as I've seen the state produce. Obviously, he recently committed to Michigan State. Uh, they had a three-year, you know, recruiting process with him. Had a very close relationship with uh, his lead recruiter, Dane Fife, and uh, obviously with uh, Tom Izzo, who's a Hall of Fame coach. But I asked him specifically about the University of Alabama, Kerry, because you know he was a frequent visitor, and obviously they had the coaching change. He speaks very highly of Avery Johnson, and the thing that struck me the most is he speaks very, very highly of Bob Simon, who he still has a very close relationship with. His words to me were that Bob Simon going to work hard he said they're working hard every day and uh you know he's i think he stayed in contact with coach simon and he's still close with him and he thinks the program is going to get turned around in a short order it makes you think that it, with another year avery might have had a chance to get the young man but it's exciting when uh a guy of uh, josh Lankford's caliber who was recruited uh, by everybody in the country basically uh lauds bob simon and says he did a great job recruiting me at providence and He's going to do a great job at Alabama, and he had a lot to do with Kobe Eubanks ending up in Crimson. That is outstanding information. Well, we're going to go ahead and take our first caller on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline. Check them out online at bigheadsbbq.net and uh, find out more about how Big Head Chuck can cater your private party or event for you. Uh, you need to check that out. But uh, our first caller tonight on the uh, Big Heads Barbecue Hotline, which, by the way, if anybody else wants to call later on, it's 714-510-3707. Again, that number is 714-510-3707. But right now I'm going to bring in our good friend uh, of the show from Greenville, Alabama, former Crimson Tide National Championship Manager from 1978 and 79, Colin Big C. McGuire, and I bet he is fired up, Drew, about Alabama opening the 2017 season with not one, but two FSUs in a row. Florida State and Fresno State opening the 2017 season in Dallas and Pennsylvania. I'm sure he'll want to know more about that and more. What's up, Dixie? Not much change here. Drew, how are y'all tonight? Doing well, Dixie. How are you? Doing good. I'm hanging in there, man. Uh, uh, Yeah, that is interesting. Um, Got Southern Cal next. You got Wisconsin this year, Southern Cal next year, and then you got Florida State and Fresno State uh, in seventeen. That's a um, they're beefing up the schedule even more. It looks like, with, along with the SEC West and two East opponents, as always. So it looks like it, 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 you got a feeling that Saban will be here at least till two thousand seventeen or eighteen. What do y'all think? Oh, I don't think Hello? there's any question about it. Uh, Big C, uh, I, I, it, it, I think it's interesting that they're playing them the uh, the first two games. But I, yeah, I, 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 I laud Alabama for and Nick Saban. It's such a big time recruiting tool when you can sell to recruits. Um, you know, you're opening with uh, Wisconsin this year, but your next two years in Dallas, Texas, you're opening with Southern Cal, who will probably much like Alabama be ranked in the top five, and then in 2017. You're playing the Florida State Seminoles, who have no love loss for Alabama, and Alabama has no love loss for them. I mean, to be honest, I look forward to getting a hold of Florida State. Uh, 
they, I think, uh, you know, they, they've they've done a lot of talking and they've done a lot of yimming and yakking, and they think, you know, I think they think they're good and uh, they think they're the best program in the country. Uh, by that time, Alabama should have a established QB and know where they're going. Yeah, they're going to lose a lot of defensive guys on the front seven, but they're going to recruit, in my opinion, the best defensive class in the country, and uh, they're going to be ready. They're going to be ready for the Knowles and. I look forward to playing FSU in 2017, no no doubt, because everybody knows how much I just love Jimbo Fisher, and I would do I would love nothing more than to give him a Tommy Bowden ass whipping in the first game of the season, no question about it. Well, that's an interesting comment there, and you'd be returning, you know, be a new stadium, but you'd be returning to the city where that happened. Dad. And you know, really, if you think about it, Big C Jimbo's an honorary Bowden anyway. It's like whooping a Bowden ass if you beat him. <laughs> well, we got a point there. Uh, what do y'all think about uh, this kid from Michigan uh, committing to Alabama? Well, well Big C, oh, go ahead, he, go ahead, Jerry. He, he wanna, the funniest thing that we got out of it is that Saban was able to take him away from Jim Harbaugh without having an Alabama satellite camp in Detroit or something like that. He just went ahead and got him, just out recruiting. Beat him head on, man. Old, old, old mono, old mono. Anyway, great player. Uh, Drew's had a chance to, to uh, look at some tape of him, and he can give you his impressions there. Well, I, I've watched some film, uh, Big C, and and, I, and I've talked to people. And I, the, the biggest thing you want to do too is you want to talk to folks who you think know more than you do. And and uh, and, and I did. I, I've been trying to talk to people today, and. And kind of get their their in the last couple of days and get their thoughts on the young guy and someone that I know that's done this for 30 years and who I've been with at many at many a ball game who has an excellent eye for talent basically told me after he watched film of him that he thought he was a a, a, a better version of John Allen down the road Jonathan Allen and everybody knows how good a football player he's been Big C and he's uh, got a chance to have a big year this year and and move on to the NFL, not necessarily it's a cod lock that he'll, you know, declare early, but he has a chance. I mean, and, uh, he's coming off shoulder surgery, but he had a really good year, and there's a lot of people that are very high on John, and he was signed much like this young man, thought to be a jack, but quickly uh, filled out his frame and, and had his hand in the dirt, and it looks like uh, this young man, uh, is uh, Khalid Kareem, is going to do the same thing, and Obviously, he had 39 offers. Uh, he got it down to uh, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Michigan, and, and chose the Tide. And uh, if, if he's uh, if he's a better version of John Allen, that's a big time uh, pickup. Well, yeah, I'd say it is. Uh, I've been reading AL.com. Who's this guy named Gary that's in Auburn? Is, uh, is he the number one player for 2016? And is Alabama looking at him or, or interested in him? Also, what's the story on that guy? Uh, yeah, that, that's uh, Rashawn Gary from uh, Paramus, New Jersey. He's a defensive end, uh, Big C. He's the number one player in the country. He's, he's visited Alabama a couple of times, including for their camp and uh, their, D, their OLDL camp. He visited the day before. He visited all day Friday. Uh, he's coming back with a group of young men, uh, and I, I believe he's going to ch- uh, visit Alabama, Auburn, and Ole Miss again. The Ole Miss people kind of seem to think he's going to – or excuse me, the Auburn people – kind of seem to think he's going to visit for five days in Auburn. That could happen, but I think he's going to hit all three places. And I'll just say uh, Mario Cristobal has put Alabama in a very, very good situation with Rashawn Gary. Um, I think Alabama's in the lead for him 
right now, and he's a young man that I think can make a quick impact. He's been dominant in every combine and camp he's gone to. Uh, most He's almost unanimous as the top player in America. Uh, I, I, I hesitate to say it, but I think he's going to be a better version, uh, a, a different kind of player, more of an edge player, but I think he's going to be a better version of Robert Kimdichie, and hopefully Alabama can reel him in. Wow, that's saying a lot there. Uh, um, okay, let me think. Uh, who's the guy now? Who's the young man they call the Hulk from Texas? His last name Jones. Is that right? Yes, it's Kendall Jones. He was also here for the OLDO camp and was, for the most part, unblockable. wasn't slowed down very much. He's a six foot five, three hundred sixty-one pound uh, nose guard with ten percent body fat. Uh, he moved like someone much, much lighter and much smaller. Uh, he's as good a nose guard prospect as you're going to find. I mean, and Nick Saban basically fell in love with him when he came here for the first time. Uh, he visited for A-Day, and he took over his recruitment personally, and he's just really excited about uh, Kendall Jones. And uh, they took the Hulk away from Texas. He visited Texas 12 times, visited Alabama one time, and then committed to Alabama. So it ought to show you the shape of the programs between Texas and Alabama, but he just was really impressed with the Tide program and was even more impressed when he came back to the OLDO camp. And then, again, he, he put in the work. He was uh, pretty much unstoppable. And he's as good an interior defensive line prospect as you're going to find. And one great thing is he's also becoming fast friends with Rashawn Gary and, from what I understand, is in contact with him either every day or every other day, wanting him to roll with the Tide. All right, I'm going to ask you another since y'all keep we're talking about recruiting right now, what about the young man from my hometown? What do y'all hear heard here on him lately? Or does it look like he's going to east eastward, or could he be heading westward in the state that he is? Well, I mean, I've 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 heard as late as this week, Big C. If he were signing today, it would be with Alabama. So, obviously, he's still very tight with Glendell Mac Wilson. I think there's some variables going on behind the scenes that you know could shake things in Alabama's favor. I mean, we will find that out in the coming months. But I do think uh, Auburn is going to go all in on him. Uh, they know how important he is to their future, and, and we will see. But uh, I do think that it's going to be a dogfight. It's not going to be easy for Auburn, even with his brother on staff there, uh, to bring in Marlon Davidson. I think, you know, Kirby Smart's put Alabama's solid position, and I think with Mac Wilson being uh, his one of his best friends – I think, obviously, the key to Auburn is going to try to keep him from going back to, to Carver. If he goes back to Carver, you know, if I were Auburn, I might go uh, – I might start uh, uh, having flashbacks to Rashawn Evans. But uh, if he stays at Greenville, I think they have a, a chance. But that will all play itself out, you know, in the near in the future. But, obviously, I think uh, this is a, going to be a dogfight between Alabama and Auburn for the, the best mm-hmm. one in the state. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Um well, let's see. Uh, what else? Have y'all heard anything about uh, uh, what's going on with the uh, – let's see, what is it? Uh, going on with the quarterback situation, or does it still look like Coker's in, in, entrenched right now, or is that hard to say? Well, you know, it's hard to say, really. I, I, th- I don't really think they, they have uh, – they, they, no, they don't know who the starter's going to be yet. Uh, who knows? The second summer school term has not started. You know, I was told uh, yesterday that uh, J- James Andrews was checking out Braxton Miller for the final time today to get his final bill of health, you know, he, which means he would be yeah. in the Birmingham area. What does that can tell? Maybe nothing. Could mean something. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, 
uh, we'll know in the next couple of weeks uh, if Braxton Miller is going to try to make the move. If he doesn't, then obviously it'll be Jake Coker and David Cornwell, Blake Barnett on the clock. But I really don't think right now they know who the starter is, to be honest with you. Yeah. Big C, uh, we got another call on hold. We'll have to let you go. But I'll holler at you in the morning about 10 after 7, okay? Okay. I'll get in touch with you around 10 after 7. Great. And I appreciate it. We'll talk to you then. Talk to y'all. Talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, C. Okay, take care, Big C. Yes, Big C. See you later, man. We're going to bring on another caller to the uh, Big Heads Barbecue Hotline. Uh, Let's go ahead and bring on William. William, you're live on Bams Radio. Hey, guys. What's going on? This is the thing that calls every so often. A tweet true, and he's the one that calls. I'll be back my my tweets about good info and all that good. So I really love listening to you guys, and I just want to call and actually talk about a few things. Uh, I had heard someone say, and this just struck me, I thought, well, I know we've been kind of thin at running back, but somebody brought up, you know, if we're that thin at running back, that just probably means that Derrick Henry's probably going to have to run the ball a lot more, and that's something we probably all want to see more of. And I just, you know, kind of thought maybe, you know, if he gets a lot more carries, he might get a lot more production because the guy does seem to get better as the game goes along. I mean, he breaks those long fourth-quarter runs and things of that nature. Of course, now that I'm thinking about the conversation, I believe it was Murph that said that on a TD with Thomas. But um, I don't see what you guys thought about that. Well, I mean, he, he he carried the load in high school, I mean, all the time. I mean, he had a string every game he played in, and he rushed for 100 yards. He, he, he averaged probably around 30 touches a game. I mean, he was heavily involved in everything they did. So he's carried the load before, and I know he's you know preparing himself this year to do so. Uh, at, at the same time, you don't want to get Derrick Henry too banged up. You want to still you know rotate guys, but could he easily become a twenty carry a game back? Yes, I mean, uh, has he shown a propensity to be able to run inside thus far? Not exactly, but I thought he looked okay in the A day game. And again, you, you never know until a guy becomes the guy, and. Obviously, uh, Burton Burns, with his track record, you got to feel like that's going to happen. I mean, uh, he's we, every year Burton has been there. Sands, you know, 2007, he was basically they were putting the laying the foundation, and Terry Grant was the leader. But by 2008, when they had everything in place, you just have to think about it. Glenn Coffey, he was the bell cow, 1,300 yards. You know, was a great back. Uh, then you had uh, then the next year you had Mark Ingram won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, then, you know, he and Trent, he and Trent uh, didn't have as good a year in 2010, but a lot of that had to do with uh, injuries and factors of, uh, outside of football. But then you had Trent Richardson, 1,600 in 2011, uh, Trevor Lacey, 1,300 BCS MVP in 2012. Uh, 2013, uh, you know, you, you still had uh, uh, T.J. Yeldon uh, being able to, to break 1,000 yards and have a good year. They've had a Every year, last year they did not, but they had two. I mean, I think I want to say Yeldon ended up 20 yards short, and maybe Derek 10. So they almost had 2,000 yard rushers. So you know they're going to produce. Uh, I'm more interested to see how Derek develops this year, but also how young guys like Damian Harris, who's already showing a lot of flashes during workouts. Uh, he was the number one back in America. How quickly will he acclimate himself? And then how creative will they get with Kenyon Drake? Because we were only scratching the surface with Kenyon last year when he got hurt against Ole Miss. It would have really been something to see what he would have done the rest of the year. But at the same time, 
if that had happened, you likely wouldn't see him on the team this year. So that injury uh, is, you know, you hated to see Kenyon get hurt, but it could have been a blessing in disguise. By the way, Will, uh, Drew didn't mean to call Eddie Lacy, Trevor Lacy, that's just because Drew's from Huntsville. But oh, yeah, Eddie I've been Lacey, basketball all day. Eddie Lacy, my bad. Eddie Lacy is going to be on Celebrity Family Feud this Sunday night uh, between 7 and 8 Central on the ABC with Steve Harvey as part of the NFC team. And that should be a hoot. So it'll be great PR for Bama. And I can't wait to see what kind of interactions between Steve Harvey and Eddie Lacy come up. But anyway, Will, it's good to hear from you, man. What else you got for us? Uh, well, another thing I was going to bring up, I was actually talking to a, a friend of mine uh, through my work. And apparently he was in and around the high school down in Montgomery that Jeremy Johnson went to. And we were talking about what kind of quarterback he would be. Um and I think Drew had just alluded to Derrick Henry. You never know how a guy's going to respond to being the guy every game all year until you see him do it. And it's going to be that way with Jeremy Johnson. And I know, I think we, you guys have talked, I say we, because I listen to you guys so much, we talked about, I'm not really sure how good he's going to be. I think he is good. He's got some talent. Uh, Murph thinks he's going to be really, really good. But a friend of mine who talked to him was very involved in his high school and helped some of the coaches out on his high school team and said the one thing about Jeremy Johnson is when he is behind, that's when he's at his most dangerous, when they're down by a score or two. The guy just dials in with laser-like focus and just really pours it on. But he said the strange thing about it is he's exactly the opposite when they get a lead. But the coaches had a real hard time in the high school of keeping him toned down because once they put up any kind of a lead, that's when he started getting very, I don't know how to use the word, mouthy and kind of arrogant and very, he started throwing balls he shouldn't be throwing in high school. And that's when you look back, most of his interceptions or bad throws came in the second half. Once he built that confidence, it would get too high, and he started throwing balls where he shouldn't be thrown. And I didn't know if you guys had noticed that in the limited time you watched him, how you thought that might affect him, because I, I don't know. I'm one of the people I'm skeptical about. I think the kid's good. He can definitely throw. Um, I had brought it up with Thomas, you know, a while back. That Thomas had brought up that Auburn thinks it would be better when they've got a quarterback that can master that read option, run it to perfection, and it's almost hard to stop. But it seems like in the past, things that he's had where he hadn't had a quarterback that knows how to run that thing real good, they've struggled. It don't shut down, but they're not as good. So I was just kind of curious about if you guys had ever heard that about him or – you know, how you thought that might affect him this year. I had really heard that, but you just described a taller version of Damian Frick, so that should give a long time. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Like, like I, oh, okay. Well, that was just like I said. It was, it was, a, it was just a, a casual friend that, you know, uh, I see him at work about, you know, or I, I drive all over the state working. You know, I drive mobile, multiple shows all over the place. So I just happened to see him in a particular uh, nursing home I was working at one day, and we were talking about it, and that's what we brought up. And I was like, you, I'd never heard that, but thought it was interesting. And he said, yeah, if the guy gets down, keep an eye on him, because that's when he's really going to, you know, that's when he's really going to shine. He says, but if a guy gets a lead for some reason, he can't really sustain it, or he just gets a little bit too cocky, and then he starts throwing passes that really don't need to be thrown, and that's when the turnovers happen. So I thought, well, if that's the case, that'll be interesting to watch. But, um... Also, um, I was curious about the kicking situation. Now that we've got the Panera kid coming in, I'm wondering, will one do kickoffs and one do short field goals, long field goals? I, you know, I'm not – how do y'all think that's going to work out? Well, this is, 
uh, I was just going to say, Kerry, with the kicking situation, it's going to, it's going to depend on how Griffith does this season. Uh, is he going to be consistent? Is he going to come into his own? If not, then Eddie Pinheiro can come in and take the job. I mean, Eddie Pinheiro has leg strength that I've never seen in a kicker before. I mean, when you kick a 50-yarder left-footed, I mean, you're kicking oh, 70 and 71 yarders. And I know I've already heard it. Oh, let's see if he can do it in a real game at Alabama. Okay, yeah. fine. But he, in front of Nick Saban and everybody, he's booming 65 yarders, and he's never and – he, and they brought him in without a scholarship offer. And as he told me on the phone, my show, my radio show, I, I was competing against what they thought was the top 15 kickers in the country, and I outperformed every one of them. And so he's, he's, he's kind of late to football. He just started kicking, you know – his last year of high school, and uh, and then you know he, he and then he gave it up to kind of concentrate on soccer. But then they uh, started a football program at Asa College, and they decided, uh, hey, you know, can you come out and kick for us? And he was like, yeah, you know, I kicked in high school, and uh, his leg strength is just uncommon. I mean, he, he he the way he rattled it off to me, he kicked 65 yarders like it's nothing. He's not bragging. He's just talking about how the first kick I think he ever tried was 65 yards, and he hit it. And so. He's just got unbelievable leg strength. When he was at Alabama, he made a 65-yarder in front of Coach Saban, and he had an 85-yard kickoff. He had a kickoff go through the upright. So, I mean, he's just – he's an uncommon weapon that, you know, Alabama would have been crazy not to offer. I mean, you know, they – obviously they've got Adam Griffith for another two years, but if, you, if you've got a kid like Eddie Pinheiro, and now the situation is going to be, is he going to take a red shirt this year and uh, not kick in a game and have four years to kick at Alabama? He told me he was going to discuss that with Nick Saban. He said, I don't really know. You know, it's, it's a decision where do I kick in front of 300 people or 100,000? So, I mean, I, you, you would think he would want to take the year in red shirt and have four years left, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I, I agree. I, the guy's fantastic, and, of course, I tell people, We've seen the guy kick a 70-yarder, but I don't think that means Saban's going to start lining him up for 60-yarders at all. The guy will probably never try one. But like you, the guy's legs, like, you just had to offer him, and um, depending on, I imagine, his accuracy and stuff, which looks pretty good if you watch the kick, I just think it's a really good pickup. And I'm kind of hoping that Adam Griffin can come back because he started off really well last year, and then, of course, we didn't know at the time, but he got hurt, and he kind of, fell off a little bit, but I really think that guy's going to come back and do really well for us. But um, anyway, but that's pretty much it, guys. I just wanted to chit-chat and say hey to everybody. I love the show, as always, and um, I will let you guys get back to it, and I look forward to talking to you guys soon. Thank you, Will. We appreciate your call. Thank you. Very much. Thanks, guys. Barbecue Hotline. Thank you, Will. Appreciate it. Uh, We're also going to bring on our first scheduled guest tonight, Uh, a good friend of the show, been with us uh, multiple times, and uh, he's back. From uh, AL.com, uh, he's much better at writing than he is Periscope. Uh, I made the mistake of tuning into his uh, Oakland A's broadcast, and I don't know if I'll ever quite recover from that. But anyway, welcome in Drew Champlin of AL.com. We've got a lot to talk about. How are you doing tonight, bud? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good. You're all right. I am much better at writing than I am Periscoping. Yeah, well, you know, I wasn't quite sure if you were really at an Oakland A's game or if you were just uh, – sitting with a bunch of people drinking beer and talking. I, I couldn't really get any evidence there was actually a game going on. But that's well, all right, we were, No problem. Yeah, we were so far away from the field that these seats don't really, uh, you know, they're not really conducive to a great baseball atmosphere. But, you know, you take it how you can get it. Speaking of baseball, Drew, uh, we had uh, Roger Myers on last week and kind of went in depth over 
how the draft affected the University of Alabama's baseball team. And it affected it drastically, as you know. Really, the good news they got from 16th round pick, second baseman, high school, uh, Colby Vance, was good. And the Georgia Salem situation is still pending uh, as of this hour. Uh, actually, just got a text from his mom, and she sent me uh, a portion of an article. And uh, it, she said, just read this on the air because it's accurate. Although Georgie was selected, he is still weighing his options about returning to Alabama for his senior season. He put together a solid year for us on the field in 2015, but equally as important were his efforts in the classroom. And this is part of Mitch Gaspard's blog. Uh, <coughs> pursuing his degree with a double major in business management and marketing, he worked his way to a perfect 4.0 in the spring and is a true embodiment of what we hope our students and athletes will become while here at the Capstone. Overall, he has maintained a cumulative GPA above 3.5, and he's worked hard on his academic obligations to Tuscaloosa. So that's Mitch Gaspar talking about Georgie, but that was verified by his mom, Paige Hotman, via a text about five minutes ago. So he has not made a final decision, Drew, but I can tell you at least what my sources are saying. I don't know about you, but my sources feel like that it's about 90% that Georgie will actually return. Yeah, I think uh, pretty much when I've been talking to people, it sounds like he's going to come back and, I think if teams were were very confident that he would sign, I think they would have drafted him a lot earlier. So um, I think it just kind of depends on, you know, I, I don't know what kind of dollar figure he, he would command, but maybe if the Diamondbacks have enough to throw at him late, they could do that and, and convince him. But I kind of I kind of feel like he'll be the guy, uh, you know, he, he could be Alabama's number three hole hitter next year uh, if they can find some guys to, to fill the top of the – Top of the order because he's got the power and he's going to have a chance to you know to be Alabama's clutch hitter next year if he does return. And uh, swinging over to basketball, Drew, uh, Alabama got a huge commitment and signing since our last show. We are only on Thursday night, but they got Kobe Eubanks uh, from Florida in the fold. He's actually on the roster now on RollTide.com. He's set to enroll a week from this Monday. Uh, th- this was kind of a steal to me, for Avery Johnson to get a, a player of this caliber uh, this late in the ball game, Kind of give us your thoughts and some of the things you've heard about Kobe Eubanks. Well, it was a position that they needed for next year, especially. That, that kind of a guy who could really play that two-guard position and do it well. Um, you know, he's a guy who committed to Baylor and I think he didn't have the grades to go there, so he went to that Elevate Academy, that prep school, whatever it is, uh, to get to get academically qualified and so, uh, you know, Kansas was in on them. Kansas had offered them, I think, uh, you know, they took a guy named Gerald Vick, and I'm not sure if they still had a spot for uh, Eubanks or not. They may still have, but he was a guy that's in high demand, a four-star recruit. Uh, but the biggest thing is when you looked at Alabama's roster, it was mostly a bunch of point guards and a bunch of kind of swing three- and four-type players, you know, a couple big men here and there. But I think uh, he really gives them another really good off-guard, you know, a guy who he is a two or maybe a three. He, he's not a four. He's not a one like a lot of those other guys are. So uh, definitely feels a position of need, and I, and I think he's got a chance to come in and and, uh, and play big minutes right away at one of those positions. Yeah, and, and Drew, obviously um, Alabama is has got two scholarships left. If, if, they, if, they, if they could find the right fit, obviously they took a pass on Willie Kawasi, who announced today he was going to Arkansas. Uh, transferred from Kennesaw State and had ties to the state of Alabama. But 
we, we were Carrie and I were discussing this before you came on the show, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but his, his name is Chris Obikapa. I think uh, he's he spent three years at St. John's. He's all time leader uh, in shot blocking there, and he, he's moved on. Has a year left. Uh, what, he he would ideally probably be someone that they might take a look at. I know it's way early. It only happened yesterday, but has there been any more rumblings about another player that they could be connected to? Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't know of another player. I think, um, but it would be have to be somebody like that because you got to wonder who in the high school ranks in the class of twenty five that's any good is still left. I know a guy just signed with right. Kentucky yesterday, but it would have to be somebody who. Uh, who would have announced his transfer, you know, sometime around now, like, like the kid from St. John's. So that's the position to need to have another, you know, legit shot blocker, a, big, a legit big man with experience. doesn't have to be a guy who can come in and score 15 points and, and get 12 rebounds every night, but just another body back there will help because, you know, Jimmy Taylor's prone to foul trouble. But uh, I would think if, they're, if they sign somebody else this late in the game, it would be a transfer who is immediately eligible. I'm, I'm not. I just kind of would have a hard time finding somebody else who, uh, a high school kid who would have, you know, four years left to play. So, uh, you know, I think it's still going to be a wait-and-see thing. You know, Avery Johnson Jr., um, I would imagine he's going to be a walk-on if they're able to find other guys to fill the spot because, you know, you've seen Avery Johnson's con- his contract. Uh, I don't think they're, they'll be hurting for money. So uh, they'll probably announce that when Avery Jr. enrolls in the second summer term. Um, but, yeah, if, if they're looking for somebody else, it's got to be a fifth-year transfer. Yeah, it would it would have to be. and it's going. To, uh, but I do think the Eubanks uh, get was big, as you said. They needed a two-guard. And, uh, obviously, I think they'll probably play Red and Obasahan off the ball so, uh, some, too. It's going to be interesting to see uh, where Avery Johnson fits all the, you know, the pieces together. Uh, I do think that uh, I've been impressed with the work they've done in such a short period of time. Uh, I think if they could if they could find a way to add a big, I think they would have a chance. Uh, not no no lock by any stretch, but that would have a chance to contend for an NCAA tournament spot. And I think it's interesting. Uh, Bruce Pearl has done such a, a good job getting Auburn's name out there and promoting Auburn basketball. But Avery Johnson, since he's been hired a few months ago. You haven't really heard too much out of Auburn. It's been uh, kind of a, a, a swing of the pendulum a little bit. Yeah, and that's what Alabama needed if you're really looking at, the, at it from a perception standpoint of, of big name versus big name. Um, uh, Avery Johnson has came in, and he's gotten some good signees. You know, remember Nick King, who he got from Memphis to transfer not you know, not two weeks after being hired, it seems like. And then, uh, you know, and with Kobe Eubanks being a high-profile shooting guard in this current class 2015 uh absolutely and then i think you know with josh lankford going to michigan state i, I don't know that anybody was too surprised he went out of, out of state especially because i just don't think avery johnson had the time to really build a relationship with him but uh right you're really going to see Warren's i think that the next big spike in momentum will come you know if avery johnson's able to get some kind of five-star kid to commit to this program be it a 2016 or a 2017 kid uh you know, I think that's going to be the next big deal. Um, where are these kids from in-state going to go, like John Petty, Austin Wiley, Jamal Johnson, you know, Alex Reese, who's got a chance to be a really big prospect as well. Maybe already is, already is one. But then you got those kids in Texas who I'm sure they're going after as well. So I think once, an, once or if a big five-star prospect pops for Alabama, I think that's when it's re- the momentum is really going to take off. 
Yeah, no doubt. True, there was a uh, rumor that lasted all about an hour and a half that a very well-known name, Malik Rose, had been offered a position uh, as assistant to the head coach at University of Alabama basketball. It was refuted within an hour, hour and a half by uh, several people, including uh, Goodman of ESPN. And then an interview came out later in the day where your co-worker, Michael Casagrande, got a hold of him and he said, yeah, that all happened, but it was two weeks ago. She's kind of getting out now. So it's, it's, it's dated, but, but it is true. Bottom line, they still don't have what I thought we called director of basketball operations, but apparently he's calling it special assistant to the head coach. Uh, and, and here's what is wild to me. I, I saw just the other day an update from camp that Colton Houston was still around helping out with Avery's camp. So that was prior his position. So I guess I'm a little confused. Avery maintains he's going to make one more hire. Uh, and, and Drew Champlin, do you have any idea who might be getting considered for that? Well, from what I heard, Colton, Colton was going to stay around. I think Avery had even mentioned that on some kind of interview before. But as far as, you know, if, he'd offered, if he offered the job to Malik Rose two weeks ago, I'm going to guess that it would be a big name kind of similar to that. So, um, But, yeah, it'd be a, I'm not really sure what all the entire this, – this particular title would entail. You think director of operations thinks just guy behind the scenes is anything specialist? When I hear special assistant to the head coach, I hear I, I immediately think for some reason this guy's sitting right next to the guy on the bench giving him advice. Well, apparently, you know, the college game, that's the three assistants, but – uh I guess it'll just be a, a wait and see. I mean, you never really know. Um, I wouldn't have thought Malik Rose's name would have been out for it, but it was two weeks ago, and looks like he turned it down. So I would guess he'd go for another professional, another guy from the professional ranks that he played with or against that has aspirations of being a big coach one day. I just make it Robert Orr. <laughs> yeah, make it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Keep asking somebody like that. Well, and Drew, kind of switching gears a little bit for football recruiting because I know you have to keep up with that as well. Obviously, uh, your your uh, compatriots at M Live, who are uh, a part of the, uh, the umbrella with with which uh, and are very similar to AL dot com, the version that version in Michigan. I think they were basically uh, all over that announcement. A lot of people thought uh, that uh, Khalid Kareem was going to stay in state to play at Michigan. Uh, uh, were you guys as surprised as we all were when he uh, announced for Alabama today uh, yesterday? I think everybody was kind of shocked. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, I was still kind of finishing up my vacation and went out west with the wife to celebrate our 10-year anniversary. Um, right. And I was still getting, getting connected to uh, Central Time Zone again. So somebody, you know, we had other guys cover that for us. But, yeah, I think uh, I think most everybody thought he was going to go to Michigan. I think that. 247 Sports Crystal Ball, maybe 90% of those guys had him going to Michigan. Maybe some of those changed at the last minute when you start to hear things. But, you know, I think it's kind of like uh, a couple of years ago with Deshaun Hand, and a lot of people thought he was going to go to Michigan. He was from uh, Virginia, I believe. But, uh, yeah, I think it was a surprise, and it's obviously a very good prospect. And you start to hear you start to hear the stuff about Harbaugh and how Jim Harbaugh is doing in satellite camps and how it's going to hurt Alabama and Auburn. Well, you know, Harbaugh went and got a couple of players out of Prattville who, you know, they're pretty nice players, I'm sure, but I don't think Alabama or even Auburn had offered them. And, and then uh, Saban goes into Harbaugh's backyard and gets a key guy that I'm sure they wanted. So uh, still still plenty of time before signing day, but, uh, you know, I think it's a big uh, 
kind of a kind of a sense to where hey maybe you don't really need to, maybe if you're an Alabama fan you don't you don't need to worry about these uh, satellite camps and where they are. Yeah, without a, without question, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, and you know we haven't had you on since, and you had a chance to cover it. It's not really Alabama related, but it is because he's from Tuscaloosa. I've got to ask you what it was like to cover a heavyweight championship fight. Oh, it was incredible. You know, I didn't know what to expect, and I think uh, I was kind of setting myself up for disappointment, maybe thinking, okay, he's going to knock him out in the first round, and that'll be it. So I was actually kind of glad it went as long as it did. But, you know, I've been to so many football games and basketball games, but probably the two best atmospheres I've really been a part of that I can, or two of the best were uh, – this title fight, and when I went to, I was out in Arizona on a trip, and I went to a Western Conference Finals hockey game, and that was pretty incredible. But yeah, boxing is you know, so different than on TV because you can actually see the, the blood and the sweat, you know, coming from those hard punches. So I really enjoyed it, and I hope I get a chance to cover another one. Drew, I wanted to ask you this is kind of a combination basketball and football question. We, we talked fairly in depth about Kobe Eubanks. But there's probably room in the 2016 football class for one more tight end. I was wondering what you thought Alabama's chances were now that they've taken Kobe and Hoops of landing a tight end, younger brother Nick Eubanks. Yeah, I've been trying to reach Nick uh, for an update. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but I think yeah, Nick seems like he wants to play or go to the same college as Kobe. So, um, you know, it could be a deal where, where he sees how Kobe's experience is going and then makes an, makes an announcement. I know Alabama's got other tight end targets as well. You know, there's a kid out in California. I think it's Devin made I'm probably mispronouncing his name. And there's more as well. But maybe they could be signing three tight ends. You, you would think that would be a lot. But you kind of look at what they might be losing, and, and it might and it probably makes sense. So, uh, you know, he's I think he's kind of built like uh, Miller far Saul is as far as maybe size. Uh, I think he's more of like a 6'5", 6'6", 220 type guy who would need to, to get bigger, but he's very athletic. So, hey, it could very well happen. I think it uh, it'd be, it'd be, certainly would be interesting to have two brothers, you know, being, being big players style down in different sports. Yeah, and Drew, um, go ahead, Kerry. Okay, well, this will be my last question because Drew needs to go at eight. But, Drew, I ran this by uh, Roger Myers last week, uh, pending, you know, the draft and pending people getting healthy and uh, getting enrolled in school and that kind of thing. I want to give you what I think will be, and I know this is not going to be batting a thousand, pun intended, but I want to give you what I think will be the opening day lineup in the new uh, renovated Sewell Thomas Stadium next spring and kind of just get your thoughts on it, uh, I think the left fielder is going to be junior college returnee Hunter Webb. I think the center fielder is going to be Georgie Salem. I think the right fielder, if healthy, will be Ryan Blanchard. I think the first baseman will be Chance Simpson. The second baseman, uh, true freshman Colby Vance. The shortstop uh, will be Chandler Avant. The third baseman, former Auburn Tiger and Hoover Buck quarterback Connor Short. The catcher, Will Haney. Uh, Who knows who the opening day pitcher will be. And the DH will be, in my opinion, Cody Henry. You think I'm pretty close? I think you're pretty close. Uh, my my best guess for opening day pitcher would be Bramlett. Jeffrey Bramlett's been pitching yes. really well on the tape, so I think he's going to be the guy. And I think he's going to be a solid ace next year. Um, you know, I really think uh, it, it does seem like it's going to be a team with a bunch of middle infielders. Um, 
I, I think uh, I think Sam Finnerty, the, the kid out of Pelham, is going to find his way into the lineup somewhere. He's a guy. Uh, the comparison I got was was a Jake Smith type player as far as what he can do. He's a pitcher and a uh, he can be a closer type player and a uh, third baseman or outfielder. So he might be the right fielder. Uh, I think he's, he's probably a kid with a pretty big arm. And I know they're also really high on. Uh, on on Chandler Taylor, I believe is his name from Alabama Christian Academy. So they're going to have some freshmen in the lineup, and you know Vance obviously is going to be one of them. Um, and, and I think Finnerty is going to play a lot as well. So uh, I think that lineup's pretty close. I, I think they've got to get some of these guys hitting better. They got to get Chance Vincent hitting better. Um, they're, they're losing really big bats with White and Houston. So can't make that up unless you got guys who improve their averages from the year before. So. Yeah, that's got to happen, and, and I'm, I'm a big college baseball guy, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they got. It seems like they're going to have a lot of arms. Are they going to have that big dominant number one guy? Well, maybe it's Bramlett. Uh, I guess we'll see. And, uh, you know, and, and having Salem, if he does, in fact, come back, would, would be huge for this team. Yeah, and I think, I, Drew, I agree. I think uh, pitching-wise, they have a chance to be good. If Keller returns to close to the form he had, he's also a big-time leader. Uh, the young the young freshman this year that uh, from Thompson who did a nice job. Then you've got I Colts who'll be going into his draft eligible year. I think the wild card is Ozapak. Uh, he's been out for two years from injuries. He was really starting to come into his own. It's kind of like Roger was joking. You know, he uh, he was a redshirt freshman, then he got hurt, and now he'll be a graduate student trying to pitch. So uh, it's hard to you know wonder what you'll get from someone coming back from two Tommy Johns, but it should be interesting to see. And then. Obviously, they're going to have a pretty good bullpen. Ray Castillo was a surprisingly undrafted and will come back for his senior year. And then Burroughs uh, should be one of the better relievers in the country. Yeah, I was surprised Castillo didn't get picked as well. And they signed a bunch of other uh, pitchers, you know, like Brock Love out of Gadsden, a pretty good prospect, mm-hmm. or was a pretty good prospect. And it seems like they've got kids from Georgia and Texas. And then they signed that utility catcher infielder named Tanner Devaney out of junior college. So, that's going to be another guy who's going to help out a lot, I think, somehow. Uh, get at least at least he'll be an upgrade over what the backup situation has been at catcher. Um, you give Haney a break and maybe fill in on the infield if he needed to. So, uh, basically, the way I see next year going is they're going to have to have a lot of guys make some big improvements at the plate if they want to be competitive because, you know, you just can't. Uh, I thought the pitching staff this year was fine, but, you know, you just can't, you just can't count on winning two to one every every time out. Yeah, and it's a big year for Mitch, Drew, because uh, with the new stadium opening and you can see it continuing to develop, it looks like it's going to be a state-of-the-art facility that I think all of us here on this show, and yourself included, uh, can't wait to see and be able to cover a game there. But, uh, you know, with with, uh, the $42 million facility comes uh, added pressure. You've got to win. Uh, They did not make the postseason this year. We all saw that, you know, baseball is without a doubt a a marathon, not a sprint. We saw what the University of Virginia did two weeks uh, left in the regular season. Many thought they wouldn't make the postseason, and uh, they got hot and were very talented and got healthy. And with a great coach in O'Connor, they win the national championship. But I don't think there's any doubt that uh, Mitch is going to have to win this year. There's going to be a change. I agree. And, um, you know, baseball's kind of one of those sports where you can look across the dugout and you can have – Eight guys on the other side throwing 95 miles an hour, but you still have a chance to win if you do the right things and you play clean baseball. So, um, I don't know how talent-wise, I'm, I'm still not sure how they're going to stack up with with a lot of the other SEC teams. I, I kind of still think they'll be behind a lot of them, but they'll be they'll be 
they should be good enough to where they're in some games and, and maybe even better. You know, it seems like this it seems like Alabama baseball does a lot better when you don't think they're going to be very good. Um, I never thought that 06 team would be real good, and they ended up, you know, being a number three or whatever national number six national seed. So, but yeah, they, you know, they've got to they've got to be good next year, and uh, they have to be good with a bunch of young players playing. So, um, and they have to be good with a bunch of guys who have hit 250 in the past. You know hitting better than they have been. So, uh, yeah, there's uh, definitely a lot in line for Mitch Gaspard and his staff next year, I think. No question. Drew, we want to thank you. Uh, I know you need to run, and uh, we appreciate your time as always. So we're going to go ahead and take a break. That was Drew Champlin of AL.com. And uh, if he's still listening, he doesn't have to reply to this, but we're going to go ahead and drop him because we're going to have a break. But Tyler Adams, the true freshman this past year from Heaven, Alabama, is playing for the East Texas Pump Jacks. And he's already got four saves this summer. So you may have another component in the bullpen next year. You may actually have somebody you can trust for the seventh, eighth, and ninth with Castillo and Burrow. But we're going to go ahead and take a break now. When we come back, we'll be joined by John Garcia, scout.com and bamamag.com. But for now, you're listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. Kind of paradise 
water's nice, find yourself a little slice Grab a backpack and lunch, you never know until you try When you lose yourself, you find the key to paradise Welcome back. It is four minutes after the hour, wherever you are. If you're in the Central Time Zone like us, it's 8.04, and you're listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the BAMS Sports Radio family. We are now set to get underway with hour number two. I'm your co-host, Kerry Clark of BAMAMAG.com, joined as always by Drew DeArmond of ESPN 97.7 The Zone out of Huntsville, and our executive producer extraordinaire, Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, back in the studio in Mobile. So between myself and Birmingham and uh, Big C's call tonight from Greenville, we have got every area code in the state covered for you here on BAMS Radio. And we're going to be joined very shortly by someone who hails originally from Miami, uh, but now he's uh, part of this part of the world. And uh, But before we're joined by John Garcia, Drew, uh, we didn't talk about it in, in too much detail. Uh, but let's. I want to kind of get your thoughts on the. the we, we talked about. We already knew about Florida State, but I want to get your thoughts on the Madden Fresno State in 2017. Well, it's an interesting matchup. Obviously, it's a. I, I consider them one of the better, if you want to call mid-major football programs uh, in, in college football. When they've been right, uh, they can be a very dangerous program. It's. It's not like playing the usual suspects in some of the directional schools. Fresno under Pat Hill was very dangerous. Jim Sweeney, uh, they have an excellent history. Uh, you know, they've they had the Carr brothers that have played quarterback and gone on to lengthy. Well, you know, David had a was the number one pick in the draft. Didn't have the kind of pro career people many people thought, but he was uh, still had a long pro career. And now his brother Derek uh, will be Amari Cooper's quarterback with the Raiders. And again, it's a it's a dangerous uh, first couple of games. I think Alabama should win that game, but it's it's when you get a chance to play Florida State, and then you have to bounce back and get ready for Fresno. It's a little bit dangerous. I was sort of surprised it ended up being the second game of the season, but again, you've got to love Nick Saban. He's aggressive. You can never say he dodges anybody. Okay, and also before we bring John on, uh, get your DVRs ready, everybody, because uh, Alabama's takeover schedule for Monday, June 29th from the SEC Network was announced today. Uh, it's going to start at 9 Eastern with a uh, Built by Bama special, an hour-long special that was filmed by the school itself, by the folks at Crimson Tide Sports Marketing. That'll be fun. But they're going to be doing uh, all kind of – all day they're going to be showing different Alabama good games from, from recent years and one from one from when I was in school. And I'm old. Wow. But, but some of the uh, games they're going to show, Drew, uh, they're going to show the 09 SEC championship win over Florida – they're going to show the 2014 uh, Alabama-Georgia softball game from Tuscaloosa, uh, where almost 4,000 people looked at the Tide win that game. They're going to show – this is an odd one to me. But, hey, December of 2014, Alabama beating Nebraska in women's basketball. Uh, they're going to show um, – yeah. They're going to show a game I wish I could have seen that I did get to see, Drew, which was the beatdown on the Plains, May 10, 2015, the uh, – the sweep of Auburn in baseball, they're going to show that, so that'll be good. Yeah, that'll be uh, good. And, and let me – I hate to interrupt, but I will say the one good thing about that Nebraska game, though, was 
that was a that was a big win for Coach Curry because that was a ranked team that they beat uh, at the time, Nebraska. So it was a big win. It was, but I'd rather have seen that dramatic Auburn game they won at Australia Coming a couple months later. That's okay. Uh, they're going to show the 93 Sugar Bowl, Bama over Miami. Uh, Redfish, our freaking best, plays in that game. They're going to show the 2015 SEC Gymnastics Championship meet that Bama won. The 2012 SEC Championship game where they beat Virginia in football uh, on the last second play by C.J. Mosley. Uh, they're going to show the uh, SEC Championship softball game from 2012 where Bama beat Florida 10-1 at Rhodes Stadium. They're going to show the 2012 BCS Championship, uh, the shutout of LSU down in uh, New Orleans that was played in January 12. They're going to show the 79 Sugar Bowl, which was the 78 football season, the 14-7 goal line stand game. I'll be taking that one. That was <laughs> Keith Jackson at his best. Really awesome, fun game to watch. Uh, they're going to show the 2010 BCS Championship game from out in Texas. Uh, I'm sorry, from out in California where they yes. beat Texas, 37-21. And, of course, they've got to show this, the 2013 BCS game for the 2012 season where they destroyed Notre Dame 42-14. And I've got the times for all those, but I gave them to you in the order they're uh, going to be. So, uh, you know, you really just uh, need to go on SEC Network's website and and get all the information, especially the yards. I'm definitely getting that 79 Sugar Bowl. And I might, for the heck of it, get the 93 Sugar Bowl, too. Those are both key tacks and fun games to watch. So, uh, and Mark Ingram is kind of hosting that. Uh, he's right. Alabama's representative for the uh, takeover schedule, and he kind of helped him pick some of the games. So, uh, they're going to do it for every school. But Alabama's uh, starts Monday, and they're going to show uh, at 9 a.m. Eastern, and it's, well, let's just give us a bunch of time because that's where we are. At 8 Central and at 6 Central that day, they're going to show the one hour built by Alabama special produced by the U of A. That's something else you want to see. Uh, but, wow, there's a lot of stuff you can pick from there, man. It really is. Um, so that's where we are there. Uh, Drew, uh, while we're waiting on John Garcia to call us, and he'll call in here in just a second, uh, there's really been a lot. For it to be a quote-unquote slow part of the year, I talked about this in our number one, like before you came on, but there's been so much going on with football commitments, basketball commitments, uh, you know, the baseball draft. Uh, one thing we didn't touch on, the NBA draft has already started, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm wondering if there's any chance at all late in the second round if we could possibly hear the name Levi Randolph. Uh, perhaps, but doubtful. Uh, I think he's going to go to summer league with somebody and have a chance to go in as an undrafted free agent and probably explore his options via overseas, but I doubt it's going to happen. We'll just have to wait and see. But I will say this, it shows – where Alabama basketball has been in the last six years, but we just had Billy Donovan make his first selection for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he selected point guard Cameron Payne from the Murray State Racers. And okay. uh, it just goes to show how much better uh, the now Iowa State head coach, Steve Prome, has been at developing talent than the now fired Anthony Grant, who is now going to coach Cameron Payne and hopefully will tell uh, – the 24-second shot clock will not uh, bother Coach Grant too much. Well, he's not the boss anymore. It ain't going to bother Billy. But I tell you what, speaking of the NBA draft, uh, our next guest is a uh, very loyal, long-time, faithful fan of the Miami Heat. That's just Winslow, baby. (laughs) John Garcia is pretty happy about this week's, uh, tonight's first-round pick of uh, of Mr. Winslow. Right, John? 
I'm good. Yep, I'm good. If you would have told me pick a player for your team in this draft, if they had the number one pick, it would have been Justice Winslow for me. So I'm I'm thrilled. I haven't been this pumped about the NBA draft in a very long time, because largely because we haven't been picking. But <laughs> now that we are, uh, I think it was a perfect scenario. But just another sort of Pat Riley rolling the dice and and you know fixing his hair a little bit and just looking super swaggerific because that's a phenomenal pick. I'm excited. Well, uh, let's hope it goes as well as the Boston Celtics number 10 pick many moons ago, which was Paul Pierce. So that worked out pretty oh, we'll good. Take that. Yeah, we'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. And, John, I guess uh, you were probably, I think, from judging from your Twitter reaction and just following people around uh, the recruiting industry and the recruiting world, I think everybody uh, was shocked at the events that happened yesterday. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is something we tracked for a long time. You know, we always do our due diligence when, when tracking a player who, who we are are told is a priority guy. You know, we knew Khalid Kareem was a priority for Alabama. We just didn't know how great of a shot the Tides had. Uh, even post that uh, June 13th visit, there was still a lot of uncertainty. So that's, I guess, the tip of the cap. Right. to Kareem and his father and then their camp because the, the thought was Bama was great. We got a lot of questions answered, but still probably Michigan. That was the sense not only from his camp, but from everybody close to his high school, everybody close to, to both coaching staffs. There was a, a lot of uncertainty from the Alabama side of things. And usually when that happens, obviously the kid goes elsewhere. But as we got closer and closer to the decision, you know, the night before the decision, there was a little bit of steam for Alabama. Hey, you know, he hasn't told the Michigan staff yet. Maybe this thing is closer than we think. So everybody slept on it. We followed up with our sources uh, Monday morning, and then all of a sudden it was like, yo, this thing's 50-50 right now. And I was like, what? Um, so we started pursuing it at that point, and then obviously a couple hours later we had found out that the only coaching staff he had been in contact with on Monday was Alabama, and that the Michigan staff couldn't even get a hold of him before that football practice, which ended up leading into his announcement. So it became pretty clear that Alabama was going to be the pick. Um, again, as surprising as the development that I've seen in covering Alabama these last four recruiting cycles, I think this is the best surge in a short amount of time Alabama has been able to show. I think all the other big quote-unquote surprises to, to the general public were not 24-hour type surges like it was for Khaled Kareem, a kid from Michigan, you know, 20-something minutes down the road from Ann Arbor um, to go pluck a kid like that in itself is big. And it's even bigger when you think of how small of a window Alabama had to truly, I guess, change his mind and change everybody's mind in his camp. But, uh, again, you got to credit Alabama. They got him on campus twice in the last two months, once for A-Day, and then, yep. obviously, the one that sealed the deal was that June 13th uh, event. He got to work closely with Alabama's coaching staff, and they, they sort of began teaching him what the Jack linebacker would do or what he would do as a Jack linebacker in Alabama's defense. So once they did that, the wheels began to turn. They asked a lot of questions, and they determined that it was a good fit, and obviously that helped you know uh, Alabama win out in the very end for Khalid Kareem. Just an extremely good close, and again, uh, just as surprising as I've seen in covering Alabama. 
John, I wanted to ask you, uh, you, you had a really good story a couple of days ago about how things have changed, and I'm talking about on BamaMag.com and Scout.com listeners. Things have changed fairly drastically on the Bama recruiting board at, at certain positions. We'll start with quarterback, where the assumption was they'd probably only take one if they took a kicker. Apparently, that line of thought has changed in the last 10 days or so. Yeah, it's almost becoming clear that the goal is to bring in two quarterbacks. Uh, it, it was a scenario where it was it was for sure just one, then one and a possible, almost like you're playing spades, and then now it seems like it's a, a solid two. Um, obviously, Jalen Hurts out of Texas, committed, dual threat, fits the new mold of what Alabama wants as a quarterback. But all of a sudden, reports of Jacob Park, another dual threat, visiting this weekend, of course, uh, former Georgia quarterback, a guy that Alabama was extremely high on for for a summer, a couple summers ago, before David Cornwell jumped on board. Jacob Park was the, the 1A with him. It was sort of a, which one is Bama going to pick, or does one of these guys pull the trigger before the school was ready to pick? And Park ended up committing to Georgia, I believe, two or three days before Cornwell decided on Alabama. So I think that can tell you how high on the board Jacob Park was at one time. So clearly that makes a lot of sense that now that he's transferring from Georgia, that Alabama is one of the schools he's going to at least follow up with. And the kid has three years of eligibility as well. So it's almost like you're recruiting a high school kid. And I say that because now it's very clear that the, the object or the objective is to get in two quarterbacks because not only do you have Park as a potential add, and I would count him in this 2016 scenario for all intents and purposes, of course there's Jawan Pass, who's one of the top quarterbacks in the country, extremely high ceiling, um, 6'5", 210, 215 pounds. Uh, a lot of people liken him to Cam Newton and how he looks as a high school junior going into his senior year. So obviously a lot to like with Jawan Pass. But again, there was some uncertainty with him as well. But the Tide got him on campus recently, told him they were still open to bringing in two quarterbacks, but I think even at that point it wasn't a come here now, Juwan, we want you right now kind of thing. So even since then, which was, what, 10 days ago, as you said, Kerry, it has changed even more so to where now it is more like, yeah, come now, if that makes any more sense. And he's set to decide or commit, excuse me, on July 13th, which is just right around the corner after he participates in the Elite 11 and the opening finals out in Oregon, which, of course, We'll, we'll bring you some live coverage from there. So, again, yeah, things change in a hurry. Uh, I think you compensate based on the board. So you took the kicker. You're obviously looking at taking two quarterbacks. So now you have to subtract from somewhere else. And I think one of those positions of luxury, is what I like to call it, could be defensive back. Maybe you only take two or three as opposed to three, four, or five like you have in the last couple of classes. Maybe even wide receiver is a casualty of – wanting to take another quarterback, and you got you just got to transfer wide receiver in, so that could have something to do with it as well. So, again, that's the beauty of covering recruiting. The board changes really in an instant, and that quarterback it has in the last uh, week and a half. And, and John, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, because I'm, I'm, I'm not sure of it. I, I said it today, and I may have been wrong, but if they decided to take someone like Park, um, he would be a transfer, and he would have to sit out, and as you said, he would – he would. Uh, he has three years eligibility, but he would. Have, he's already redshirted. I think once at Georgia, but uh, yeah. he would have to sit out. But would he count against the twenty-five? I, I didn't think he would. What is the exact? No, he rule? wouldn't. He wouldn't. Uh, he wouldn't count that's, against that's, the that's, that's how they could take the second quarterback, in my opinion. 
Right. Yeah, I was I was just saying in terms of from a fan perspective, from a right, guy right. tracking recruiting perspective, bringing in two quarterbacks at this time because he would, for all intents and purposes, be, be besides obviously the counter, he would be a 2016 quote unquote recruit because he's not going to play in the fall of 2015. Right. His first eligible playing time would be that 2016 season. So that's kind of what I meant by that. Sorry for so a little confusion. No, no, I, I just wanted to clarify for myself too to make sure I was correct, but. I, I I wouldn't. I'm not saying they're going to take Park for sure, but it would be very interesting, as you said. They were very interested in him, and and now I want a little bit about wide receiver because obviously uh, one of their top targets, Trayvon Diggs, is going to commit. Uh, you know, in, in within within a week and a half, I think July the fourth is still set to be his commitment date. Alabama and Maryland have seemed to be his top two, and then also. We kind of had some clarity a little bit with Darnell Solomon's uh, legal situation. What are right. the Alabama's chances with those two young guys? Well, they're they're good for both guys, you know, on the surface. But deeper than that, there's certainly some roadblocks for Alabama in landing each of them. Of course, with Solomon purely legal, Alabama wants to make 100% sure that everything is good to go with Solomon on the legal front. And the news out in the last week or so was that he was cleared He's uh, ordered probation, I believe, for five years and uh, a certain amount of community service, both in his native Miami, Florida, as well as uh, the Athens, Georgia area where the uh, incidents occur. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's a huge roadblock now that all that is out there. And I believe I read where there's actually a stipulation in the probation while he is banned from normal activities in Athens outside of his community service, he is allowed to suit up between the hedges as an opponent of the Georgia Bulldogs. So that, of course, very important for Alabama um, because that could be one reason why perhaps a team like Alabama would move on from a kid like that because that's basically taking you away from a potential game at least once or twice in his career depending on future schedules. But aside from that, it seems like the biggest hurdles with him are now behind him. I think that's why he's been so quiet on the recruiting uh, media front. I think that's why he's always thought of a summer decision, but he was never definitive about it. I think it's because he wanted to make sure everything was behind him as well. Now that that is out there, I'm sure he's been in communications with many coaching staffs about that. He can move forward with his recruitment, and I think Alabama's in very good shape once he's willing to do that. Uh, as far as Trevon Diggs, different scenario. Obviously, no legal situations that we know of, but He's got connections to Maryland that are pretty staggering, not only his location. His brother was a standout performer there. His best bud, Dwayne Haskins, a quarterback from the D.C. area, committed there. There's a lot of buzz about those two playing together at the next level. So while Alabama is his public leader, again, this goes back to your previous question, because of the numbers scenario, you have to wonder, does Alabama start to, to rank these receivers since they're all already seemingly ready to, to pop soon with Diggs, with Solomon, with a guy like Kevin Ridley, who's a legacy prospect? When do you start to say, we got to say no thanks to one of these guys? Perhaps they've already done that. If the number is going to be three at the wide receiver position, you've got T.J. Simmons already committed. He's not going anywhere. He's an in-state kid, a guy Alabama's liked for a very long time. If there's only two or three more spots, eventually one of these guys is going to have to move on elsewhere or Alabama is going to have to move on from them. So you wonder who is most likely to be a casualty of that. If, if my gut uh, is right right now, I think it would probably be Diggs. I could certainly see it uh, being Solomon because of the legal scenario there. Um, but there's no denying. All of them are four-stars. All the guys we're talking about here, all four-star guys, including 
Demetrius Robertson, a former Alabama commitment. So it's one of those where I tell Alabama fans, look, the names could change from Diggs to Solomon to, to Ridley to Robertson, but it's going to be a good haul no matter what. And for receivers, it's going to become very clear in the short term, just like it is for quarterbacks. In the next four or five weeks, the entire board could be filled up and complete at both quarterback and wide receiver, two major positions of need and priority in this recruiting class for Alabama. Bam, listeners, uh, in broadcasting lingo, we call what John did just now a segue because he apparently read my mind about the next question I was going to ask him. <laughs> and I'm glad, that's glad, because, you know, John's got a graduate degree in broadcasting from Newhouse at Syracuse. I've got one from Alabama. So I guess great minds think alike. John, I want to ask you about two sets of brothers. Uh, one is enrolled at Alabama now. One will be enrolled at Alabama uh, in two weeks as a basketball player. Both have younger siblings who are being recruited fairly heavily by Alabama. You did touch briefly on one of them. But let's talk about Kevin Ridley and Nick Eubanks, younger brother of Kobe, the basketball signee, Kevin Calvin's younger brother. Let's talk about those two guys and what the chances are of them ending up in the 16 class. This is another uh, layer of the, the numbers game that, that like you said, the, the report or the article of mine that you referenced earlier, Kerry, this is where it comes into play. I thought uh, two weeks ago, hey, you take two tight ends, you're done with it, put a bow on it, move on to other positions of need like offensive tackle or defensive line or pass rusher, et cetera. Well, here we are a couple of weeks later. Alabama's got their two tight end commitments, Brendan Scales, who just got elevated to four stars on scout.com, and Miller Forrestal, a guy who is as raw as it gets but has as high of a ceiling as we've seen at the position over the last few years in recruiting, also four stars on scout. You think Bama's done, but all of a sudden we get information saying, you know what, Nick Eubanks is still on the board and still very highly coveted by Alabama. What is his position? Tight end. What is his other potential position? Wide receiver. Well, here we are back into this numbers game talking about, okay, what is this total number going to be? Initially, I thought it was going to be maybe two tight ends, four wide receivers, but maybe the better math is three receivers, three tight ends, if you consider Eubanks to be a tight end through and through, or Forrestal or Scales, all guys that are somewhat versatile, somewhat tweeners in, in, in what they can do, which is a good problem to have. So, we dug a little bit, and, and sure enough, Nick Eubanks still very much a target of Alabama. He's from uh, American Heritage High School in Plantation, Florida. Of course, South Florida, very fertile for any school, and certainly an area Alabama's been very good at. Uh, you know it's the Mario Cristobal territory, the guy's recruiter of the year in every publication possible. So you know that if Bama wants him, there's a good chance he's going to end up in Tuscaloosa. Now, his brother signs with Alabama, I believe, last week. All of a sudden, the chatter about those two playing together increases. They have talked about it. They admitted to talking about it. And I actually reached out to Nick that day, a couple hours after Kobe signed, and I said, so how's it been since your brother signed? And he said, man, Bama Nation's all over me already. I said, did you mean the coaches or the fans by that? He said both. So there's certainly always a calculation going on with Nick Saban and perhaps in, in you know, cooperation with Avery Johnson. And Nick Eubanks is still very much a wanted prospect by Alabama. So, again, when you talk about numbers, I think that pass catcher category, which is we're basically lumping in receivers and tight ends, it looks like that number has ballooned. Uh, so you got to take off either another receiver, 
or another uh, defensive back, as we mentioned earlier. It's going to be pretty interesting with the, the final numbers, but we do know that Nick Eubanks is certainly a guy Alabama would like to bring in. So uh, things are looking good there. And as we mentioned about Ridley, he's another, you know, knows so much about Alabama. Cal- uh, Calvin Ridley, you know, widely regarded as one of the top receivers. And last year's cycle, an older guy, guy who got his recruiting done over a year ago, committed on A-Day um, 2014 and really never wavered despite him being quiet, despite other schools relentlessly pursuing, particularly Miami and Florida State. Well, ironically enough, the school in competition with Alabama for Little Brother Signature is actually the other school of Florida, the University of Florida. He grew up a big Gator fan that has always appealed to him, and now, of course, Jim McElwain and company running that show, and, and they know how to recruit. Those guys are saving disciples, so they know how to attack this thing, and Ridley's really struggling with, do I go follow my brother at a school that I'm extremely comfortable at, or do I follow my heart and go to where I've always wanted to go? which is another place he's really comfortable at. Now Ohio State has jumped into the mix, so I could see him taking a little longer than maybe we all thought with the process. But, uh, again, Alabama is going to be in very, very good shape at the wide receiver slash tight end position in this class. I could see uh, it be a three-receiver, three-tight end scenario. I think all of those guys will be four-stars, maybe even a five-star snuck in there, a wide receiver, Uh, Later in the cycle, I think it's going to be a great haul for the Crimson Tide and an unusual haul. I don't think I've ever covered a program that took three tight ends in one cycle. But you're talking about 2015 college football. You're talking about versatile pass catchers, something Alabama hasn't exactly had a lot of uh, over the last few years. So certainly they want to head more in that direction, and, and bringing in three versatile tight ends will do that for you. And, John, Obviously, uh, it looks like they're going to have a chance to have a monster defensive line class. Uh, there's been a lot made of Rashawn Gary and coming back to visit down south and perhaps staying at Auburn five days. I I kind of am in the camp of I think the young men he's traveling with will be visiting multiple schools. I don't know if they'll quite stay at Auburn five days. We will see. But uh, any concern there for Alabama? Or I still. I think they're in really good shape for Rashawn, but what is your, what is your take on the situation? Yeah, you know, Bama could, first of all, if five kids are at Auburn for five days, a couple of them could very well branch off and end up in Tuscaloosa for half the time or even all the time. It wouldn't be the first time a scenario like that went down. Especially you guys know, you guys have covered Alabama much longer than I have. You know, there have been times when kids were scheduled to visit Auburn for three days and they end up in Tuscaloosa for, you know, two days and 22 hours uh, out of those three days. So that could happen. But also, I think Rashawn, he's the number one player in the country. So I think those scenarios are so different from, you know, no disrespect to his teammates and the guy he's coming down with, but you're more run-of-the-mill, three- or four-star type of guy. You know, his, his scenario is a little bit different. He's been recruited since his freshman year of, of high school, and he's been known in New Jersey since middle school. So this is a kid who's long thought about this process. This is a kid who had long thought about how he wanted to attack it. Um, so him tagging along with a bunch of friends seems like a big deal um, for Auburn, and it seems like a big deal in the short term. But in the grand scheme of things, we're talking about a kid who's been recruited for so many years leading up to one singular decision because he's not going to be a kid to commit and flip or anything like that. I can almost guarantee you that. 
I think it's such a small blip on the radar, really for every other program recruiting against Auburn in this scenario. Uh, of course, if you're Auburn, you're excited about it because no matter what, even if it's for one day, you're getting the top player in America on your campus. But proximity to Alabama helps him possibly return to Tuscaloosa, and I would be shocked if regardless of whether or not he shows up in T-Town in the next couple of weeks, I would be shocked if he did not take an official visit to Tuscaloosa when the time is right in the fall. So I think no matter what, Alabama is extremely heavy in the race for Rashawn Gary, as you mentioned, Drew, in pretty good shape almost no matter what happens. Uh, And that first visit to Tuscaloosa that went down a couple of weeks ago was a big reason why. They wanted to sort of get the first taste. And when you're talking about Alabama, the first taste is usually a really good one, and it makes you want to come back. So uh, I've heard it's done nothing but the same for Rashawn Gary and his mother, who's very, very important in his decision-making process. So let's see if mom gets down to Auburn as well. If it's just a teammate's thing, it's an even smaller blip on the radar for any other school, in my opinion. Jonathan, I guess now it's time for our bi-monthly report on who, if anyone, will be, could be, might be, the pure, unadulterated <laughs> left tackle of the 2016 class. Because they didn't get one last year, and I don't think yet there's one committed this year that's a pure left tackle. There are a lot on the horizon, but they don't grow on trees. Where, where do we stand? Yeah, I think it's it's quite similar to last time, Kerry. I think uh, Greg Little is still probably the number one name to keep an eye on. You've got other guys who can play left tackle down the road if you need it, maybe like a Charles Baldwin, maybe a Jonah Williams, who is just one of the most impressive tapes I've seen from an offensive lineman. Um, maybe even Raekwon Davis, who uh, is projected at D tackle right now, but I think is an offensive tackle, should he end up signing with Alabama, which is the bigger story. But In terms of guys who are ready now, guys who are already projected there, guys who are truly interested, Greg Little is is far and away the number one guy to keep an eye on right now if you're an Alabama fan. He made it to campus in Tuscaloosa this summer, and that's always so important when you're talking about bringing in a guy from Texas. Alabama's been able to do that consistently over the last few cycles and obviously has Kendall Jones committed in this class, another Texas five-star. But you you got to get those guys in early to get them to taste. It's what they did with Tony Brown, what they did with Kendall Sheffield, um, Ashawn Robinson. The list goes on and on when you're when you're dipping into that that type of recruiting territory. So that box is checked for Alabama. Two is the need. We all know that box has long been checked for Alabama, and you better believe Greg Little and his family, mom and dad, big important uh, factors here, both know how much of a priority he is because of the need once Cam Robinson departs, which is clearly going to be sooner rather than later. The third is staying in the game for the long haul. Now, he's been committed to Texas A&M for, I believe, a year now, and there's a ton of connections there. But before he even visited Alabama, he was 50% committed to A&M. I actually got a source last night asking me, you think Greg Little could flip sooner, as in this summer, rather than later, uh, which is when many would expect it to happen in the fall or close to signing day? And I said, I, I wouldn't expect it right now, but maybe later in the summer I hear things are going that well. So, again, you, you've given him the taste. You've showed him the priority he is. You, you've, everyone knows the need. You probably don't even have to sell that if you're Nick Saban, if you're Mario Cristobal, if you're Bo Davis. 
but I'm sure they've sold that as well. So all the boxes are checked at this time for Greg Little. He's very pumped about Alabama, but he's another quiet kid. So you're going to have to wait to see the final results of it. I would be somewhat surprised if he did flip at some point this summer. I think he's going to give A&M the benefit of the doubt and probably stick around on their commitment list for some time, get back, uh, you know, in the fall for games and things like that. However, he's still far and away the number one guy for Bama fans to keep an eye on. And I think as of today, the Tide has as good a shot as anybody, including A&M, in signing Greg Little, which would be just, maybe the biggest steal that I've covered since I joined BamaMag.com. Uh, I think that would be the biggest coup for Alabama, taking a kid out of Texas who was committed to A&M, whose quarterback has signed and will probably be doing something for A&M this fall, for, for all we know, Kyler Murray. Uh, it would just be an amazing steal for Nick Saban at, at a, such a primary position. I mean, this kid could be the number one pick in the draft in a couple of years. He's that good. So, um, yeah, he's the number one name to keep an eye on, and there's a little bit of a drop, and, and that's not a disrespect to anybody else, but that's just the nature of left tackle. Now, after Greg Little, you've got Willie Allen, of course, another name who Alabama fans are extremely familiar with. Things have changed over the last couple of weeks. This, this guy was sort of hot and cold with Alabama and vice versa, but, but now it's back on the hot side of things, and, and it really looks like it's going to be a three-team race there, same three-team race that we're going to be talking about with, with Devin White, another priority for Alabama as a running back slash linebacker. It's going to be Bama, LSU, Ole Miss. You know? So uh, that's going to be one to keep an eye on. He's another really, really good prospect. This is a top 40 kid in the country, no, no matter the position. So even though there's a big drop-off from Greg Little to Willie Allen, you know the floor there with Willie Allen is still really, really good. So I think those are the two biggest names to keep an eye on. There's others out there like Jawan Williams, there's junior college offensive tackle Garrett Bowles to keep an eye on. But when you're talking about that pure position, Terry, you know, not a guy who can maybe do it, it's still Greg Little and then everybody else. Yeah, I understand that E.J. Price is back on the market. Yeah, he committed from Georgia recently. You know, he was an interesting guy to me. Picked up an Alabama offer very early. He's out of the Atlanta area. But he came out with a top ten before committing to Georgia that did not include Alabama. And I was always I, I kind of surprised me when it happened because, you know, he goes to Central Gwinnett, or he went to Central Gwinnett High School, which is, of course, the home of Adonis Thomas, who the Tide signed in 2015. And the coach there, Coach Blake Sims, uh, at Gainesville High School in Georgia before that. So certainly the coach was not against Alabama. And we know at least one of his teammates was extremely on board uh, with Alabama. And there's actually another lineman at Central Gwinnett that has a Bama offer now that is uh, – skyrocketing up the underclassmen board. So I think uh, it was surprising to see Alabama not on that list. Now, I haven't figured out much since he committed. I think it was a big surprise to Georgia. Um, but, again, I think it's just going to be an SEC-ACC race, perhaps void of Alabama going forward if it has anything to do with what he was thinking before he committed to UGA. But, also, we should always remember this is recruiting and this is Alabama. So if the Tide wants to ramp it up out of nowhere on a kid, uh, you know, Price could be one of the surprises of the class, maybe like a Cali Kareem was. Yeah, and John, speaking of another position, 
uh, it's been it, it, it goes along the the same storyline of recruiting changing, but obviously and I'm still very high on the young man, but he also may have some academic work to do. But everyone knows that I love E. Thompson at Florence High, probably. But it seems that he, in the, at least in the eyes of Alabama at this time, that there may be some prospects that have moved ahead of him on the pecking order, including a very interesting one that I know visited uh, with Hulk Jones, and that's. Dontavious Jackson of Elite High School in Houston, a middle linebacker, 6'2", 230. That, uh, he hasn't been doing a lot of talking, but I know that uh, supposedly from great sources he had a blowout visit, and Alabama could be squarely in the mix for him now. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, Drew, the board changes so quickly, seemingly. And with Alabama, the board isn't just a regional or an in-state type of board. It's so national. I mean, who thought that – Bama would go snag Khalid Kareem in Michigan in this class. They hadn't signed a kid from Michigan since some guy named Mark Ingram in, in 08. So, I mean, such a surprise uh, can, can come out of nowhere. But I guess we shouldn't be surprised that if there is a kid that could possibly be overlooked in state, that the replacement would come from Texas, which is has the same amount of commitments right now to Alabama as the state of Alabama does um, in this 2016 class. So the Tide, you know, basically has a – an annex out in, in the Lone Star State where they're still, you know, somewhat pipelining kids into Alabama. So Jackson would be the next one up. I, I can confirm that what you what you heard was true. Um, during that June 13th O-line, D-line camp, seven-on-seven camp, um, there was two guys who were, who were prioritized who were uncommitted out-of-state guys. One was Kyle Kareem, which obviously went really well, and the second was Jackson. Those guys had very similar, quote-unquote, treatment from what I am told uh, the red carpet, the crimson carpet, however you want to put it. The difference is it was Jackson's first time. Kareem was, was coming back. The Tide knew there was a decision near, which is if you're an out-of-state program and, and you know a kid is a, you know, a kid you like is on Alabama's campus and, and they know the decision's coming up, you know, that kind of sucks for any other coach. Um, but with Jackson, so different. First visit, no real time frame, wide open in recruiting. He's long held so many big offers. So he gets his quote-unquote VIP treatment, and it just makes more sense that Alabama is looking out of state for the rest of its linebacker crew. Not not only does that point uh, to what you said, Drew, as, as that being somewhat evident, but also the fact that Alabama took Riley Cole just a couple of weeks ago, another in-state guy, a linebacker, who when he committed I thought would be an edge guy, maybe a jack, maybe even a – a King Anderson type who could play multiple positions, but sure enough, the plan is for him to play inside once he adds a couple of pounds and things like that, which I think that hurt Thompson as much as anything else because um, not many of us projected Cole to be an inside guy at the next level. Of course, Alabama uh, had their own way of thinking with that one. So I think those two factors made it pretty clear that the next linebacker to jump on board. And remember, Jaquan Lee was still somewhat of a surprise for a lot of the same reasons we're talking about with Ero Thompson in terms of he might have some class work to do, academic kind of question mark. Ulee's in that group as well, and Alabama took him. So now all of a sudden you've got all these linebackers committed. You're wowing a kid from Texas, but we still got other guys nationally like Trey Lamar, Caleb Kelly, Ben Davis in state, Mac Wilson in state, and all of a sudden – you realize, you know, this, it's going to be a big linebacker class, but there's going to be some really good players left out of that class. And Thompson's, uh, I guess, body language and recruiting language, if you will, over the last couple of weeks 
has gone right along with what with what we're thinking. You know, he he thought he was going to make a decision by now. He was thinking about committing to Alabama on a day for goodness sakes, and he still has not made the decision. And he announced earlier this week that he's pushing his decision back even more into the, you know the, the July period. So I think it's pretty evident that Alabama. I don't want to say is looking elsewhere, but maybe has a couple of other guys moving higher than Thompson at this time. But, again, for all we know, in two, three weeks, once uh, there's a little bit more film out of these guys at 7-on-7s seven seven and, and places like the opening, maybe it shifts again and Thompson is, is right back up there. But uh, as of right now, I would be somewhat surprised to see him in the class, given Cole's commitment, given you Lee's commitment, and given the priority other guys have been um, given by Alabama, and particularly Jackson, who's uh, become quite the intriguing prospect to keep an eye on. John, I wanted to ask you about a former Auburn commitment who still has the Tigers in its top three, but he also has Mississippi State, where he's got a high school teammate playing, and Alabama as his three finalists. Uh, what What do we know about Alabama's chances since the kid says he's already made his mind up, of Winona defensive lineman Quinnen Williams? Um, well, well, here's what we know, Terry. One, the kid is a lifelong Auburn fan. His mom was a big Auburn fan. She has, you know, tragically passed away from breast cancer. The dad, massive Auburn fan. So he naturally became one. And once that offer came about a couple of months ago, it was a no-brainer jump on board. I believe it was late January. It was just before signing day for, for the uh, 2015 class. So, you kind of thought, you know what, okay, Quentin Williams, good player, high ceiling, and he's going to offer. That, that's it. You know, it made a lot of sense. But all of a sudden, other schools started offering, including Alabama, Mississippi State, Kentucky, USC. All these schools sort of came out of nowhere, and he was kind of like, whoa, like I didn't all Auburn Tigers all the time. And, and it was. You know, the Tigers would still love for him to join the class of 2016. But the, the surprise nature of everything caused him to back off because he had never dealt with any of this before, uh, and one of those big instances was a four-day camp setting in Tuscaloosa, accompanied by his family. I think that's so important here. It wasn't just Quinn hanging out, working out, and you know, getting better with Bo Davis and seeing out with Mario Cristobal as lead recruiter. It was his family doing the same thing. Um, so I think there's there's always a point in a recruitment where there's a separation between what I grew up thinking and what I know now, and I think. That was sort of his light bulb moment, like, hey, this is my second trip to Tuscaloosa. It's not as bad as maybe I wanted it to be. Um, so maybe I should look at them, you know, truly and fairly going forward. So he decommits from Auburn. Mississippi State has been pushing for a long time as well. So they get bumped into his top three along with his former dream school, the Auburn Tigers, and all of a sudden it seems like, okay, this kid decommitted and he's going to take his time to make a decision. Well, Maybe not. You know, after not taking any additional visits, he says, I'm committing on June 30th, and yesterday he tweeted he knew where he was going. So what we know is that Auburn was the dream school, and he only visited Auburn and S- or, excuse me, Auburn and Alabama. Mississippi State hasn't even gotten him on campus yet. So you can all but rule out the Bulldogs in this race. It's going to be an in-state scenario. And trends tell you, you know, follow the visits follow the kids' quote-unquote recruiting language, which is basically like a virtual body language, and it seems to point to Alabama. And I do know that the Tide was very frustrated with itself in a miss. It was called a miss 
when Quinn committed to Auburn without an Alabama offer, there was a, some frustration on the staff as to why he did not have that offer in hand. It was one of the rare misses in state Alabama had, but luckily for the Crimson Tide, it was early enough in the process where they could try to make up the ground, and they've done it over the last, what, six months, and all of a sudden they're probably the favorite going into you know the second and probably final commitment some point in winning. This kid is reserved. He wants to get this over with. He wants to find his home, and he really wants to help the Winona Dragons win some football games, which is something they haven't done a lot of of late. Uh, that's the type of kid he is. I met with him um, actually June 13th, the same day of that Bama O-line, D-line camp. Uh, there was a Joe Webb set on seven there. Uh, and I wanted to talk to Quinn, and we sat down for a long time and spoke, and that was the vibe I got. It was all about getting this behind him. So you couple that with his visits, you couple that with the fact that he decommitted from Auburn, has never been to Mississippi State, I think the tide is in very good shape to uh, to land a guy who, who dreams about going to Auburn. And, John, obviously we you talked a little bit about the secondary, and I think they'll probably take two more guys. Obviously, uh, I would love one of them to be Demetrius Robertson. He was committed to Alabama one time, and I kind of project him as a defensive back. I know he can play on either side of the ball, but I think he's going to be tough to get out of the state of Georgia. I also like Nigel Warrior, who's, of course, the, the son of one Tennessee's Dale Carter. And, uh, and, and of course, Nigel Knott, who has family ties to Ole Miss and, of course, a close tie to Oregon. But where do you kind of see the defensive back spots uh, kind of leaning toward right now? Yeah, it's a very interesting board, as you mentioned, legacies, former commitments, things like that. Um, as we talked about earlier, I think DB could be a casualty, numbers-wise, of maybe an inflation at quarterback and wide receiver slash tight end. Um, so I think that number could be around three-ish. And obviously right now, Bama's got Shaheen Carter committed and Josh Perry, both out of Louisiana, on board. So that's, you know, traditional nature tells you, okay, there's one more spot if nothing else happens between those guys. And we should also note that both of those guys are going to be relentlessly pursued by LSU, Ole Miss, and others all the way through the process. So keep that in mind. But if we're playing the game with one spot remaining as a secondary, I think not is the most intriguing potential add. Um, you talk about versatility with Alabama. Most of the commitments on either side of the ball can do a lot of things. You know, and even this past weekend, Shaheen Carter told Jamie Newberg of Scouts.com that Bam was talking to him about maybe playing running back at the next level. So how about, you know, that kind of a curveball, even though he's a top 100 quarterback projection. So that could even happen and open up a theoretical spot in the secondary for this class. Um, But not is another versatile guy, not in terms of offense, defense, but in terms of safety corner, extremely athletic. The word freak has been associated with him for a long time. He's clocked 4-3. He did the backflip that went entirely off of the wall there. Uh, he just tests well wherever he goes. He's got long arms to make up for a, a kind of a slender frame. Uh, he's got great ball skills, so what's not to like about a cornerback like that? So if you think of Shy Carter maybe not even playing corner, Josh Perry for sure being a safety, then it makes you think that corner is going to be where that final quote-unquote spot ends up at Alabama. So Nigel not want to keep it on, and he's making a decision fairly soon. As well, he's got Alabama, of course, in his final group. So he's one to keep an eye on. Uh, and, again, that would be big for an statement getting into Mississippi. But if there was a scenario where another DB would be looked at, uh, I keep an eye on Nigel Warrior. You mentioned him earlier. This kid is one of these that isn't a freak. 
he's the opposite of Nigel. He's not going to go run four three. He's not going to bench two twenty five thirty times. He's not going to jump forty five inches. But he's going to do everything kind of good. He's going to be right under the freak level on every single category. So uh, jack of all trades type of defensive back. Excellent vision in the hole when making contact with a running back. Supreme ball skills. Very good in technique. Runs well enough. Jumps well enough. A guy who's an all-around defensive back. And that's what Alabama's identified very early in his recruitment, and that's why they're going to be a factor all the way through his recruitment. So those two guys would be, you know, the names I would keep the closest eye on. The two Nigels. Nigel Mott, Nigel Warrior. One's more of a pure uh, corner and not, and one of them's reverse of the body. Warrior could be a corner or a safety or a nickel type of guy. He could be sort of the X factor depending on what happens with Shaheen Carter or if there's a potential flip with Carter or Josh Perry. So the secondary is not going to be as, as sexy as it has been for Alabama with all these five stars um, committing, you know, Kendall Sheffield and Mon Humphreys and Tony Browns. Uh, but it's still going to be an efficient group and a versatile group, which is something Alabama has always coveted in the secondary. Um, and, again, I think it makes sense because you've had so many big names in the last few cycles. Maybe this cycle is, is a smaller group, but it doesn't mean it's going to be a less impactful group down the road. Yet another great segue by Mr. Garcia because I was going to point out, before I ask my next question, I was just going to point out for John and, and for our listeners that uh, two of the young men that were just mentioned by John uh, Marlon Humphrey and Tony Brown were recently named All-Americans in the sport of track at the D1 level. Now, Tony Brown uh, was a first-team All-American in the 4x100 relay. Marlon Humphrey was a second-team All-American in the 4x400 relay. And there were other members, such as Anthony Averitt of the Alabama Secondary, that also participated on the track team this year. So Alabama does have a few dual-sport athletes, and a couple of them are guys we followed in very recent recruiting cycles. That brings me to my next question, John, and probably the first time I've ever asked you about a walk-on. Uh, but this news you spoke today that uh, the very thin running back position in Alabama got a little bit of help from an invited walk-on from Blunt High School down around Pritchard, Alabama. Uh, tell our listeners, because I myself don't know much about him either, a little bit about Mr. Demetrius Vaughn. He's an interesting back, Kerry. He's Again, he's not—he's not one of these flashy, no-brainer type of scholarship offer backs, which is why obviously he's ending up as a walk-on prospect. But the kid has been a workhorse for Blunt for a long time. Obviously, Blunt down in the Mobile area, so you know he's playing against good talent every single Friday. So keep that in mind when I tell you that. I believe his first game, he had 200 and something yards rushing as a true freshman playing in that type of atmosphere. So that tells you a lot about his potential and how early it was evident that this kid was a good ball player. Now, he did add a scholarship offer from Auburn very early in the process. This was the Gene Chizik staff. Uh, so obviously the philosophy was a little bit different than uh, Gus Malzahn, but Auburn did think high enough of him to extend a very early offer his way. He didn't get many after that point. Always wanted to end up at Alabama if he had anything to do with it. And I think it just sort of worked out for him. And, and the great irony is that his head coach now at Blunt High School, Lev Holly, was actually at Viger High School recently where Desharius Flowers was a star running back. And obviously Flowers you know, had a, a bit of a snag there um, with his, his test score being flagged by the NCAA. So you enter you know, one mobile guy 
theoretically for the other, and now Vaughn can get there um, without using a scholarship. He might earn one down the road for all we know. Um, in terms of the skill set, though, this is a death thing. This is all about worst-case scenario. This is all about next year and the following year. You know, the Alabama running back situation is very fluid. We know the Tide is looking to bring in multiple running backs in this 2016 group. So it's really about the 2015 year and, and a little bit beyond that. Obviously, Derrick Henry's in good shape. Kenyon Drake with ears in good shape, but we don't know for sure. Both Scarborough rehabbing. Ronnie Clark uh, coming off of an Achilles uh, playing running back now. Um, obviously, other guys departed. Um, Damian Harris, unproven true freshman. So there's a lot of question marks. So you bring in a guy who's healthy, who can help contribute, help you get through a fall camp, help you get through a season, and maybe even help you out on special teams at some point. But as a pure ball carrier in high school, what I like about Vaughn is that he's not a dancer. He's a north-south guy, about 200 pounds in that 5'10 range, north-south, very subtle type of cut. He's not trying to, you know, break your ankles and, and get a video that goes viral. He's trying to set you up just enough so that he can cut back and just get by you. Uh, it's not about the flash with him. He's very north and south, almost the epitome of that. It's sort of like T.J. Yeldon in a sense. I'm, I'm not comparing him to T.J. Yeldon in any other sense, but when T.J. tries to juice you, it, it's a very subtle hip movement. It's not a whole body kind of like basketball crossover juke, if that makes some sense. And, and, and this kid, uh, Demetrius Lawrence, has that in him. He has good speed, not great speed. I think that could have been the biggest difference in between him picking up more offers later in the process. Um, versus being a walk-on, is that he doesn't have that great top-end speed. He can outrun a high school secondary, but he's not going to outrun, you know, an SEC secondary. So I think that's the biggest snag in his recruitment. But, again, it could benefit Alabama in the end, and it has benefited to the point where they're basically getting a free body who's played against really good competition in Alabama, who wants to be at Alabama, who could have very well ended up, you know, across the state at Auburn should the things have, have been differently, uh, you know, with, with their coaching staff over the last couple of years. So it's a good get, it's a safe get, and clearly at a position of need. And, John, uh, speaking of running back to close out for myself, uh, there's been an interesting some development with the position, and as we talked about, it always changing. But what about uh, from the state of North Carolina, B.J. Emmons, someone that decommitted from Georgia, who seems to be uh, rising in the eyes of Alabama a little bit. Yeah, I mean, maybe my favorite back in the class because of how he runs. This kid is – there's a lot of big backs in this class 2015, but there's not a lot of big backs who run like big backs, if that makes sense. This kid is not in that group. He's 220 pounds, 5'10", 5'11", downhill as can be. You know, this is the, the old thinking of a quote-unquote Alabama running back. He fits that more than any back in the class of 2016, and, and again, I, I keep going back to this, but the fact that he reached out to Alabama to initiate that process. This was while he was committed to Georgia, by the way. The fact that he began that process, I think, is the most telling thing for the Crimson Tide now. Since he decommitted, other schools have joined in. You know, Tennessee had him on campus. Florida State is, is sort of becoming the dark horse for his commitment. The Seminoles have recruited North Carolina as well as any out-of-state program historically. Um, so they're going to be a factor later in the game. But Alabama still probably the team to beat with DJ. He visited once. He's slated to visit again for the second time this summer. You're not going to hear much from this kid. He's, he's got the chip on his shoulder. He has some off-the-field issues, you know, locally there in the Charlotte area that he had to deal with. So he's not going to be 
you're going to be in that Darnell Solomon mold where you're not going to hear a lot about him, and he's certainly not going to give a lot away when he does talk. Um, but you can expect, one, Bama to be in it all the way through the process, and two, he's going to take the allotted time to that process. I would expect him to take all his visits, take his time, and make a decision sometime, you know, December, January, February. But I do expect, as long as Alabama wants him, the tide to be in the mix for B.J. Emmons, who I think would be a home run type of running back, not in terms of his game, but in terms of the fit and in terms of the need, you know, in this 2016 class. It would be the most ideal fit out of all the backs, you know, on the board. Well, thank you so much, John Garcia. Listeners, you can hear John several times a week on Bama Sports Radio with his CABC Crimson and Blue Chips podcast. That's John Garcia of scout.com and BamaMag.com. Another great, great, great segment with him. It's time for us to wrap up this week's edition of Bam Radio. And uh, we do appreciate you calling again, John. Very much good stuff. But uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off and take it to the house, let you watch the rest of the NBA draft or whatever you want to do. But for Judy Armand of ESPN 97, The Zone, for Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, Thanks to our guest, John Garcia, Drew Champlin, and our loyal caller, Big C, and also Will, who called in tonight. I'm Kerry Clark, your co-host from BamaMag.com, and signing off on another edition. You've been listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. Roll Tide, everybody. Roll Tide.